and it's this just the craziest feeling to not know to not have any like progression like when do I need to be fit for Mm. what do I need to be fit for will there be any sport at all this year this whole year you know we're only in March Mm Welcome to Before the Lights podcast, true stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I have an amazing guest, Allie Riley. I met Allie playing for the Orlando Pride. She also is the captain of the New Zealand women's national team and has played in multiple World Cups and Olympics. Allie has played all over the world, including Stanford in college, FC Rosengard in Sweden, Chelsea, Byron Munich, and is now back in the United States with the Orlando Pride. Ali has had an amazing and challenging story. Today we talk about some of her hardships she's faced, as well as the current impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. Again, if you do, please just screenshot this, share it on any of your social media outlets. Just tag myself and Ali Riley. Thanks so much. Let's get to it. All right, so I'm here with Allie Riley. Allie, finally excited to have you on the podcast, and we're six feet apart during this self-quarantine thing. Yes. So, for people that don't know a lot about your playing history, um, obviously we met because I'm here playing um, in preseason with the Orlando Pride, um, and Allie, you're playing for the Orlando Pride this year. But tell everybody just a little bit about your playing history. It's a long story because I'm ancient, but <laughs> I grew up in Los Angeles. My dad is from New Zealand. My mom is American and went to school at Stanford. That was my dream in high school. I had a, a senior on the team when I was a freshman on my high school team, and she was going to Stanford, and it just became my obsession. So all through high school, I worked really hard to get a scholarship to Stanford, <laughs> and at that point, there was no women's professional league. So it was just, you know, that was kind of the end all be all to, yeah. to get a scholarship to play in college. And then I ended up playing for the under 20 New Zealand national team. So mm-hmm. my dad being a Kiwi and I had citizenship since I was a baby because mm-hmm. we traveled there a lot, um, reached out and I got to try out for the under 20 team, made the team. So mm-hmm. got into Stanford and then the summer before going into my freshman year, played in the under 20 World Cup, which was in Russia. Mm. And then after that, I went into my freshman year at Stanford. It was 2007. The Women's World Cup in China was mm. that year. So okay. between my freshman and sophomore years, I played in my first World Cup for New Zealand. Wow. The following year was the Olympics <laughs> and had an amazing experience at Stanford. It was, you know, the best four years of my life. I would do it again in a heartbeat and... I think it's it's an interesting side note that you know having played in Europe and there it's not common to play in college and mm-hmm. I just because of my experience there and the player I became the person I became I definitely recommend it as, yeah and I know it's super common here in the U.S. but mm-hmm. it is it is something that if you can and if you can afford it and if you have the opportunity I think playing soccer in college was the most amazing experience yeah um so I was playing for New Zealand, playing at Stanford, and then the WPS, the professional league, came back mm-hmm. into the United States. Perfect timing. 
the first season was my senior year, which meant, of course, after my senior year, I went into the draft. Was drafted 10 years ago, almost exactly, (laughs) to play in the WPS for the FC Gold Pride. That was in Northern California. So I stayed in school. Kelly O'Hara and I were both um, seniors at Stanford and were able to, you know, very short commute to play for this team in the Bay Area. And then the the team folded. The owners didn't want to continue. They were kind of leaking money, I guess. Mm-hmm. So headed off to Western New York, mm-hmm. the Western New York Flash in Buffalo. And yeah, I mean, it was probably one of the best club teams ever put together and not not because I was on it but because (laughs) of my teammates and we won the championship again and it was Mm. like such a high and it was I mean what an amazing two years um despite you know my team before folding it was so incredible and then the whole league folded there was this lawsuit with Dan Borislow and and the Magic Check team in Florida that was a big 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 debacle and they ended up shutting down operations in January 2012 Mm. so this was going to be before the London Olympic Games and I didn't feel like I could afford to wait around and see what would happen Mm. with the league I wanted to be playing games but all the windows almost in Europe were closed and Mm. my agent was just working in the US and didn't know what to do went over to Germany but I couldn't sign with the team because the window was closed and then this team in Sweden in a city called Malmö that I had never heard of Mm. I'd only heard of Stockholm and Gothenburg yeah their left back tore ACL playing Champions League and they needed a left back and Caroline Sager, the captain of the Swedish national team, she was playing there after having played in Buffalo with me. Mm. So she was like, oh, I know a left back. So, <laughs> I mean, they signed me. I, I, I owe it all to her and I headed off to Sweden. Okay. No idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah. And six and a half years later, I was still there, had made a home there. The league, of course, came back for a third time the NWSL, mm-hmm. um, but I was pretty scarred from what had happened, and yeah. I didn't didn't want to come back. Um, ended up going over to England to play for Chelsea for a year. Mm-hmm. Then after the past World Cup in 2019, I went to Bayern Munich to mm-hmm. test my luck in Germany. It didn't go exactly as planned, and it felt like the perfect time to come back yeah. to the U.S., be closer to my family. They're still in Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, that kind of takes me full circle eight years after I left to be back here playing with Marta and Ashlyn who were on that Western New York flash team. I was roommates with Ashlyn in 2011. So that's kind of, that wasn't short, but that's a very, very long story. Yeah. (laughs) And your first team's name was Pride and now you're on that. And that also, you know, it didn't really... Because you would say, like, oh, Orlando, Orlando. Yeah. Like, I didn't really think about it. And then you know, like, people say, like, oh, the Pride. And I'm like, that's well, that's crazy. what we called FC Gold Pride. Yeah, yeah. And now that you're here, I'm so glad you're here. But what do you think the biggest hardship was during that entire time? Obviously, there were a ton of different experiences. Yeah. Traveling abroad, playing with the national team, playing in Stanford. Yeah. There's a lot to dive into. But what did you feel like when the first league that you had been a part of folded and and what impact did that have on you as a soccer player but also just on kind of your mental health of figuring out what was gonna happen going forward yeah i think that was probably the first really big obstacle that i faced um obviously 
Um, I've shared the story a few times when I was really young and I was trying out for a club team. I didn't okay. make it and then I tried it again and didn't make it. Uh-huh. And, you know, so I had this kind of like rocky start. Okay. But to be perfectly honest, I've been really lucky. It was basically smooth sailing all yeah. through high school, then getting into the college of my dreams and totally. then starting off for years, being a captain three years, yeah. um, and then getting drafted and, and winning the league. And it was like, I was just riding this high. And I think one of the really interesting things that has really defined my personality and my career since then was that was the first time when the league folded, I realized that I'm not seen as just a professional athlete and I'm not just a professional soccer player. I am a female professional Mm -hmm. soccer player and this is a women's professional league and we are at so much more risk of things like this happening Mm -hmm. from not making a lot of money to teams folding, leagues folding, so many hardships. And I think I was so oblivious to all of that. When you're a college athlete, Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that it was women's soccer or men's soccer at Stanford. And I mean, again, that's a testament to Stanford and and the kind of college community and and the fans we had and and the support you have as a collegiate athlete. and then didn't think about it at all those first two years. And then when the league folded and kind of to have hundreds of, of players jobless overnight, homeless, you know, in a, in a sense, a lot of players to, you know, your housing and yeah. um, when that's attached to your team. And I think then trying to find a club overseas and you just realize like we don't have it as easy yeah. as the men and there's so much less stability and it's hard being a woman and yeah. I think that kind of motivated me from my first experience in Europe and then again over there obviously the U.S. national team you know is their celebrities and mm-hmm. even at that time you know with Alex Morgan and this kind of newfound status and being the best team in the world of course and then but Sweden they also have a great national team yeah. but in Europe you're faced with this insane like people are diehard football fans Mm. and have been born and raised and bleed their team and you know the and it's men's football and there's no Mm. here we have baseball we have hockey we have American football and and men's soccer I think in a way has been overshadowed by women's soccer in the United States and then going over to Europe and experiencing you know when I was playing Champions League it was less than one percent of the hmm. prize money that the men get. Uh, the women receive less than 1% of the prize money yeah. from UEFA as men. So all these wow. things kind of happen at one time, but I think it made me motivated to fight for more fairness. Yeah. And equality is obviously that's the goal. Yeah. But not even, I mean, we're talking less than 1%. I'm like, if we were even paid 1% or yeah. 10% of this prize money, or, and this is FIFA, this is UEFA, this is yeah. these huge clubs, you know, being at Chelsea and, and seeing this year, you know, with Liverpool, what their women's team is being faced with when their men's team is coming off of winning the Champions League, you know? Yeah. So, I think that that year in the journey that I embarked on post the league folding like was such a defining moment for me. And again, I mean, like I said, it it prevented me from coming back to the country that I'm from yeah. for eight years. And it, wow. it took, you know, this very special circumstance, you know, feeling that I had had so many good experiences in Europe, good and bad, and yeah. then, you know, trying 
out Sweden, England, Germany, and then a coach like Mark Skinner approaching me and, and really believing in his vision, having a teammate like Marta and Ashlyn telling mm-hmm. me you know, to come here. But I mean, if it weren't for that, I'd probably still be in Europe. You know, that's where yeah. I made my home. And it was, it was really traumatic, that whole experience. So I can imagine. Yeah, it changed everything for me. Yeah, I feel like as women, we, you're so spot on with in college, like, you don't realize how different that it's going to be. And I, I mean, growing up, I had people to look up to, you know, I had the NWSL pretty much, I think the full four years in college. So my goal always was to play, but then looking back, I remember a couple times during my collegiate career where it's like, I don't have like a trust fund to fall back on. And, um, you know, like, is this even feasible? Is this even possible for me to do? But you're so spot on with the idea of like having that passion, that bigger purpose of wanting to push for this game to to go more places than it has been. What changes have you seen and what do you think needs to be done right now? Well, it's changed so much, which yeah. is amazing. Obviously, the league here feels very stable. I know we'll get, the current situation yes. is, is totally a different yeah. story. But you know, before the coronavirus, I think we're looking into going into... I don't even know how many years, what is it, this? I have no idea, I should know that. It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very stable now, um, or feels that way. Obviously, there's still unique things about the league here in terms of the training, and players can get waived, and those are details that I'd rather not think about right now. (laughs) But I think now what's amazing is there's so many opportunities all over the world for women's soccer. So if you for some reason don't get drafted or if you are making enough money or if you play don't like the team you're on or mm-hmm. you know the coach is not working out you can go to spain you can go to italy you can go yeah. to sweden germany denmark belgium yeah hungary <laughs> you know, there, there are professional leagues we had kazakhstan in, in champions league really there americans there i think now there's this opportunity to follow your dream mm. and for little girls and especially now with the media with games being streamed and this is something that if something that I wish that there was more of or something that needs to be better yeah. is more t- games on TV mm-hmm. easier to find streams yeah. free streams um, mm-hmm. you know the English League I think that is probably right now setting the standard in terms of media and what they're doing where mm-hmm. there's this app it's free you can see every single no league way. game every weekend and mm-hmm. that's how it should be I think if we yeah. want to push the game grow the game inspire young girls get them out there playing soccer or any sport you know there has to be that exposure and they have to be able to see it and to look up to it so that's why of course being a collegiate athlete you know that there's this league here um that's great and and i know the the nwsl has said different partnerships in different ways from youtube to cbn you know different ways to watch the games but it's not it's not a given and it's totally. not true for every league, but I think it's so amazing that you can now follow this passion and give it a go and yeah. not just in the country you're from. And I loved playing overseas. And I think that mm-hmm. is, even if you do play in a domestic league where you're from, like taking that chance mm-hmm. to, to go overseas, learn a new language, experience mm-hmm. a different culture, play champions league. I think these are all super valuable. And, and what I love, and I had a great conversation with Yael Averbush about this, is it's like there's this birth of like the professional 
female soccer player. You don't have mm. to play for a national team to make money. You don't have to play mm. for a national team to have sponsors, to be an ambassador for brands, to make money. You know, yeah. you can really build a career and promote yourself and, yeah. and create all these opportunities by playing in a professional club and you don't have to play for the obviously we're talking different scales here if you do play for the u.s we know that they're making a lot of money yes. and they're you know but you can still you can still have a job and yeah you can still be in the media and i mean yeah. an influencer whatever and I yeah think there's a lot more attention um on anyone who is is passionate and out there and willing to open up and, and give a piece of themselves to the fans if you don't have to be playing for the national team. And we know totally. it's so hard to get on the national oh, team, yeah. especially in this country. So <laughs> yes. I think that's, I'm really, really, really excited about that. And I hope that, that, is that continues. I think now the step is, yes, we're professionals, but we deserve more. Yeah. Better health, better conditions, mm-hmm. um, higher salaries, yeah. more benefits. I think there's, and then there's, you know, from... If you're pregnant, there's so many things specific to us women that need to be improved, but I've seen it come so far from when I I got drafted to play my first year as a professional. Totally. And I've had this discussion before. It's like... It's interesting the statement that you made about, you know, obviously the United States national team players, you know, they're able to be paid these salaries to where this is definitely a career, definitely you know, a job to where sometimes, you know, when I've been talking about some of the earning potential here in the NWSL, it's not great. But at the same time, if you think about it, the point you made about with just how connected the world is now and how entrepreneurial that we can be and how we can use those platforms to, yeah, like promote ourselves, but also do projects like these on the side. You have a podcast where you're trying to you know, boost up other girls and stuff like that, which I think is awesome. And I'm just seeing all these different things spring up by how much courage and passion and just determination that all these female athletes do have. And I think it's an awesome time to be in because I feel like we almost have to be more entrepreneurial to create these things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's such a kind of weird situation because I think we we're at the point now i mean this is the best time to be a a female soccer player ever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we're at this exactly how you're saying where we all have these projects on the side or jobs or or studying or whatever um because we kind of have to yeah but we've taken that responsibility on i think in stride and you see almost every player using their platform Mm -hmm. to push the game forward totally give back to the community, to give to those in need. And I think all of us have this idea in mind where we're hoping that in 10, 20, 100 years, that the next generations won't have to, Hmm. but I have a feeling that the way we're doing it, and if we continue to do it right, these women will still choose to do it. So Hmm. we'll still choose to get an education, we'll still choose to use their platforms to, yeah. to do good. And you have someone like Megan Rapino, Alex mm-hmm. Moore. I mean, you have these players who they don't, they don't have to make yeah. any money. I think they're doing pretty well. And again, 
still, they're still not making the same as yeah. what we know. The, the men's national yes. team, you know, <laughs> the, the Messis and the Ronaldos. I mean, the, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I don't think their salaries will necessarily mean that they don't have to work for the rest of their lives yeah. and, and support family. But, I mean, there's definitely a huge disparity in our game. And I think you still see the, the messages that they're putting out there. So I, mm-hmm. I hope that, I guess we, we're giving the future generations the choice. Okay. Right now, we yeah. still kind of have to yeah. um, because we need more money. Totally. <laughs> but I think, I hope the next generations, they won't have to, just like the men don't have to do anything extra, but they yeah. will choose to. Yeah, that's a that's a really good perspective on that. Um, you and I talked a little bit a little bit about how this whole coronavirus thing is affecting us and how we're feeling about everything, and you personally connected it to the league folding like you talked about earlier what are kind of your feelings with what's going on now obviously this is something you know us our parents nobody have nobody's really been through anything like this so what are your thoughts going forward and how are you dealing with this day-to-day right now yeah this is every day it feels like a dream yeah (laughs) like it feels like you're not waking up from a dream seriously there's that brief moment when you wake up and then you, you don't remember <laughs> yeah. you know, that this is going on. And then I think what's what's hard, and this is all obviously in a very like self, what my situation is and I think about myself and you yeah. know, a more selfish perspective here, I, you know, I'm worried about my fitness. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about, you know, my, my performance, the Olympics, yeah. um, the league will be, continue to get paid will the will the season even happen and you know this is today i'm not sure obviously when this is going to be released but today we had the the announcement that the there is no official start date for the league anymore mm-hmm. you know it was set at april 18th 19th um so there is no official date anymore it's postponed kind of indefinitely mm-hmm. and then we have two more weeks now where we can't train with the team and it's this just the craziest feeling to not know to not have any like progression like when do I need to be fit for Mm. what do I need to be fit for will there be any sport at all this year this whole year you know we're only in March Mm -hmm. and then I think what kind of and then you know I've been in in quarantine (laughs) somewhat because (laughs) I came back from Europe but I think then when I realized that every other athlete is in the same position, yeah. so it's not like, oh, it's just the NWSL, it's yeah. the Bundesliga, it's yeah. the Super League, it's every league, except the Australian League, yeah. they have their final <laughs> tonight, but you're just everyone is in the same boat, and then there are so many people that have it so much worse than us, yeah. you know, we're, we're in Orlando, we're still, you know, we can buy groceries, we're yeah. not hungry, we have a roof over our heads, um, obviously the the job stability and, and kind of will we get mm-hmm. paid, that's a little bit scary, but I think, you know, we're very resourceful women and, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll make it work and you see, you turn on the news and see, you know, the the state of it in, in other places around the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that obviously makes me feel really lucky and, and gives me a perspective and it's like I can still go out for a run, mm-hmm. kick the ball around, yeah. you know, make my recipes. Like yeah. I still am living a dream life, you know. Totally. But obviously I think we love our jobs so much. Yeah. And it's the best thing. Totally. And I think to have that 
kind of fear of not being able to do that and and being reminded of what it felt like when it was taken away from Mm. us before but obviously this is something that nobody can control it's not an issue of a lawsuit it's not an issue of this owner it's not an issue of money it's literally a global global crisis yeah um but it's i mean it's hard not to get kind of sucked Hmm. into your own thoughts and feel bad for yourself totally i'm just like i mean we love it and it's so it's so funny because all the memes and everyone like going crazy how there's no sport on tv yeah and i'm like well like that's us yeah there's no sport on tv because like that's our job is to entertain and and yeah this is just gosh i it is so 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 bizarre so i'm totally hoping that i think just obviously safety first that the I hope that the Olympics are played but if they need to be postponed that's fine I know that puts everything we've got the men's Mm -hmm. euros the women's euros even the next world cup everything could be affected but I think we're looking at such bigger issues in terms of a a depression yeah um people you know jobs there's so many deaths I mean there's so many bigger things going on but totally it's just I mean what it's only been just over a week yeah, since kind of the week. team in the league started putting these protocols in place so we were like just getting started yeah i know so that's a good perspective though i mean it's so hard because i think it's affecting us so directly but at the same time if you really like it's affecting so many different people in so many different ways so it's really it's really hard to look at it as like i don't get to wake up and do my job um but at the same time having that perspective it almost forces that on you to be like okay i still like have all these things i still have the ability to do this i still have my health yeah um it it really forces you into that but what are your recommendations for maybe other players in the league or maybe younger athletes to stay focused on what's next no matter if it's next week or in a couple months like what are your recommendations for them um during this time yeah so i've reached out to our snc coach here in orlando as well as as the new zealand national team and i think they know that i'm very goal oriented Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like results and game but it's you know i love challenging myself and i love pushing myself and i think there are a lot of people who who feel the same way and i think just a little thing that Evie sent me, like for the next 14 days, you're gonna work on your hip mobility. Mm. And that's something that will help me for, you know, the rest of my career is to be able to be more flexible and really focus on listening to my body. Um, And then I think the fitness thing is hard because it's it is a little bit easier to know when you need to peak and like Mm -hmm. what kind of fitness to be doing, but I think for me, of course, doing the national team and and trusting uh, Orlando Pride's program, but it's while it's still safe to be outside, yeah. and I know it kind of depends on the weather where yeah. you are, but to go on hikes, to kind of do that kind of cross-training that yeah. also gives you that, that yeah, self-love mm. and that peace of mind and doing things that you enjoy, yeah. and it's finding that balance between of course like we have a job and we have to stay the course but also if this is really stressful and there's a lot of anxiety and and i think talking about mental health i think this is i mean it's Mm. reasonable to think that a lot of people could be feeling unstable and 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 getting depressed so i think just reminding yourself of the things you love whether it's meditation even if it's just 
one day being like, I'm going to watch Netflix, yeah. I'm going to make popcorn, <laughs> I'm going to eat that treat that I like to indulge in, just yeah. to remember to take care of yourself. Yeah. Because I keep thinking, if I'm the more stressed I am, the mm. more like you know, then your immune system is lower, and then the yeah. more like you, you are to maybe catch something, yeah. coronavirus or not, yeah. just to get sick. Anything. So yeah. I think it's kind of really, you have to put yourself first, and I don't mean in terms of like the social distancing, I mean in, in terms of yeah. your... your mental and and your wellness yeah. and just what are the things that make you happy do those things yeah skype the people you love mm. if you can't see that i was just looking there's so many games you can play we did one with the, the <laughs> i saw now. that i saw that on our yeah i mean we have this technology at our fingertips so i think yeah i'm gonna get my my partner and my my parents on like a drawing game or yeah. some kind of escape room some kind of thing you can totally do just to stay connected even though we can't physically be yeah yeah and I was thinking about it too it's like there's so many things that we're out of control with like I feel like this whole year has been uh just all out of control I've I've I'm very, I'm a control freak. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I like to be in control. I like to at least feel, even though we never really are in control of anything that happens to a certain extent. Um, I feel like this whole year has just been a lack of control. Just yeah. trusting, you know, I didn't know where I was going to end up playing. I didn't know, you know, what that was going to look like, if I was even going to be in this country. And then now it's like, I don't have a job, you know, all these different things. But this whole thing has kind of reminded me of like, okay, what can you do? You know, I do have bands in my room. I can work on that. I do have, you know, something the Pride has been doing is studying film. Like, this is a good time to learn about the game. A lot of people, you know, don't watch the game as much, so it's a good time to learn that way. So. And you have this podcast. Yeah. That's, there's so, that's, that's so true. There are so many things we can do. Yeah. And thinking about that is... Yeah. Is, is actually really nice because, and I think it's funny because you see all these memes, like we all have these like to-do lists and like, oh, we want to start like learning the language. Yeah. Or and then you're like one week into quarantine and you're like, no, like there's nothing to do. I but know. This is the perfect time to like, yeah, yeah. make yourself better, learn something. And totally. Yeah. Write those emails you've been yes. off. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. You've also motivated me to to get in with the girls with balls and, and yes. have my next guest lined up, but stop totally. procrastinating and and do something that's gonna help other people because that always makes me feel better. Yes, really quickly, tell us about Girls with Balls, your podcast. I love oh, the title; totally. that's amazing. Yeah. When I saw it and you're all your marketing for it, I'm like, this girl is yeah, so cool. I was just making a little deal. <laughs> I won't say who I got to take that photo. <laughs> One of my teammates. Oh. Um, but I, yeah, I just, you know, we, we have these amazing teammates who are amazing women and role models, and I just thought, why not give them a chance to talk about how amazing they are and yeah. create this platform, and then, so it's empowering women and girls, both empowering my guest mm. to really, like, brag, I bring up all their accomplishments, yeah. I want everyone to realize how cool they are, Love plus that. anyone listening to really empower them and, and get inspired and motivated whether it's overcoming an injury any types of challenges we talk about mental health we talk about embarrassing moments we talk yeah. about everything under the sun and I love the chance to get into the nitty-gritty and and into those parts of the mm. game and parts of their lives that any other journalist of course is, is not going to go there yeah. um 
and they're not expected to. Yeah. But I think that it's basically just a conversation with a friend and stuff yeah. like a, in a pretty intimate and private conversation, but one that we're happy to share with the world. Totally. So that was the idea around it, and it's it's been really really fun. Yeah. And I'm excited to have my first goalkeeper on. So. That's awesome. And then you'll have to return the favor and oh, tell yes. your story on my podcast. Totally, totally. I'll link that wherever she hosts her platform. So I will, so you guys can go check that out if you're listening. But um, you definitely, like, since the first day I met you, you're definitely a leader. Like, from the moment you walked up, I could tell, like, that girl knows what she's doing. And I know you've been in it for a while, but... What, what have you learned throughout? Because, you know, you talked about Stanford, um, the New Zealand national team, and, and playing in all these different countries. and Or, well, two countries, right? Three uh, now. Sweden, the U.S., Germany, and England. And, oh, so yeah. yeah, so I was right saying that. Um, what, what are the biggest lessons you've learned about being a leader on those different teams? Because I'm sure each team brings their unique situations, right? Like... New Zealand is going to be night and day from playing at, you know, the Pride or playing with um, your team in Sweden. So what are the biggest leadership challenges that you've faced? I think the hardest, so I think in general, not only for, for leadership characteristics, I think the easiest thing, the easiest way to succeed and to to play well is when other people mm. believe in you yeah and when other people are telling you you're good and other people are supporting you and I think I was I was lucky to have that you know once I finally got onto a, a club team um, at mm. 14 which was a bit late um, oh. I think I, I had that at in high school I had it in college um, and then you know my first couple of years in in the WPS I was definitely surrounded by these big superstars mm. but I felt confident enough to yeah. have my voice and to to have a leadership role um, even though I was younger and a rookie and mm. so I think it was it came really naturally and I think when I was most challenged was when things got tough. Mm-hmm. And with the national team, this is a, a very, very long story for another episode. <laughs> um, it was when we were faced with with uh, a coach and um, an organization within the federation that was harmful to mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really have to step up. You have mm-hmm. to, you know... I was prepared to put my career on the line, or I did put it on the line wow. in order to come forward and say what was going on. Wow. Um, and I think when other players are looking at you to be an example, and I've made tons of mistakes on the field, off the field, and I think it's kind of how you own up to what you've done wrong, to mm-hmm. embrace what you've done right, I think, and and to always be communicating. And I mean, as anyone listening can tell, I love to talk, but I think <laughs> I love to, to constantly be involved and speaking to your team mm-hmm. about everything to make, you want people to feel safe. And yeah. I think that's a big thing about on the field. It's being confident, even when you yourself are making mistakes. And I think that's the hardest thing mm-hmm. about being a leader mm-hmm. is to be able to have a voice and still tell people, other people, what to do. Yeah. When you yourself are having a bad day or you're making mistakes, because yeah. There will always be players saying, "Who are you to tell me that I should put in a better cross when yeah. you just shanked it?" Mm. And to have that confidence and to 
not care. Not everyone's going to like you, but you need them to respect you. Totally. And I think that's also grown with me because I do, you know, I love, you know, being fun and silly with everyone on the team. I I want to be liked, but I think you, at some point you need to cross over and, and I, I still have a more gentle approach than other captains Mm. that I've played with and, and experienced and seen, but you still have to be, yeah firm and mm-hmm. you have to I think put that respect ahead of kind of your likability yeah um but I think what my biggest challenge is and what has helped me the most was basically sitting on the bench huh. and that was you know the past the past year I think playing um in Bayern Munich and in Chelsea just not not being a starter and basically for the first time in my life wow. and and understanding what that feels like and also having a serious injury something yeah. I also had avoided for, for a very yes. long time so going through that in the span of you know two years having this long term injury and then not playing and I basically it, it gives you that perspective and it, it teaches you I think it's very humbling and it helps you understand the best way to communicate with your teammates that are going through that when the tables have turned then and, and yeah. with the national team being the captain and, and being a starter and um and then yeah you you are so much better able to put yourself in their shoes mm. because you've experienced it and again if you can avoid that situation yes of course do it it's not like you should be like don't yeah. play me because i want to learn how to be a leader yeah <laughs> i think that's for me in my in my specific journey um yeah that taught me a lot and i think it, it i also to work hard every day to put the team first to just push myself to the limits when I didn't necessarily feel like the coach believed in me and you know I was far away from my family they mm. couldn't see games I wasn't playing in the game so it's mm. not like they could say you know they're not seeing me training no yeah. one is telling me you know you should be playing you just you know I had to believe in myself mm. and I think the fact that that then took me to this team full of you know so many so many talented players great defenders um, and to get that chance and have that belief from now a new coach but yeah. it's just because I really believed in myself and, and again to go off of a season with Chelsea not having played a lot of games to then play a World Cup where mm. you know the nation is <laughs> the weight <laughs> of a nation is on your shoulders I think you, oh. all you can do is believe in yourself and I think back to mm. being a leader that's probably the most important thing because if you're going to be mm leading the team out onto the field if you're going to be telling other people what to do you better believe in what you're yeah. saying and you have to believe that you deserve to have that role so yeah i think yeah a variety of experiences both from like having this amazing and being so fortunate and having such a smooth amazing ride up until when it kind of went rock bottom mm-hmm. i think those like very polar opposite experiences have definitely pushed me to be the best possible type of leader that I could be today. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm grateful for that. Although I will I will say again, I would have loved to avoid the injury and yes. the sitting on the bench. But totally. That you have to embrace everything that happens to you. Totally. How do you think you developed that self belief? Because I think anybody would admit there's times where they're down in the trenches, and even though people around them even might be believing in them, there's just that little bit of doubt in your head that creeps in that's like oh my gosh I don't know if I can do this how did you 
Um, do you think it came over time or have you developed it or is it pretty natural? I think my parents definitely from day one and everything I've done have taught me to work hard Mm. and it's so much about intent Mm. because to be a leader you don't have to be the best player on the field and you don't have to complete 100% of your passes Mm. and there are so many different types of players and I think the the thing about self-belief is at the end of the day like the most important thing is to be able to look into the mirror and be like I was the best person and the best player that I could have been today Mm. and that means like your intentions were right and yeah. you tried to do everything you could. And I think that's what's given me, I've always, that's something that I've always prided myself on. I always give mm. 150%. Totally. And you that, do. <laughs> and that way, I know if someone, if I'm going to tell someone, you know, what to do, or I'm going to say, you need to c- recover totally. qu- quicker, or yeah. fat, you know, whatever. They can turn to me and say, shame to ball, but they can never say, mm. you know, you're not giving everything the team. And I mean, this is, and again, we talk about like when there are things that, situations that you can't affect, whether it's losing games or a coronavirus, like what yeah. can you do? Mm. And I think that's where I've tried to make sure in every aspect of my life, if whatever is going on with, if I'm not playing or if the team is losing or if you know, going through a breakup, whatever, but what can I do? And that's, you know, giving love to my teammates Mm. and it's giving everything in training and it's, you know, yeah. Trying to inspire you. Like I think, and the more areas of your life that you really try to give, Mm. I think it, it it brings you confidence because people really respect you and they, they feel your energy and they feel your intent. And again, I think, the more areas of your life you do that in, the easier it's going to come to you when you step on the soccer field. Totally. And I think in terms of belief, that's all very kind of like airy-fairy. But mm-hmm. in terms of something like specific, I would say I would always analyze, and my dad helped me so much with this, you know, what what did you do well today? Okay. And then you really embrace that and you say, mm-hmm. I did this, I was awesome at this day, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Just yeah. as good. Okay. And then you also say, what could I have done better? And then I went outside and I worked on that until, you know, it was dark out. Yeah. So that's, again, it's like you've left no stone unturned. Okay. So even if you're not good at it, you know in yourself, but I've done everything I can to be good at it. Okay. And, you know, I'm 32 and there's some things that I will never be able to do. Yeah. But there are aspects that I've looked at and I'm like, no, I know that I can, I can, you know, make smaller margins there and I know that I can be better in this specific area and this is going to help my team so I'm going to work on that every day yeah so when I get to the game if the cross wasn't perfect I'm like well I know I did 500 crosses yeah and I've watched my technique and I've talked to the coaches and it will get better Mm. but I also know like when someone tells me if if it's bad I'm like I know yeah (laughs) but I'm doing my best totally and and I think that you don't take critique as hard either Mm. because you know you've done everything to be good or to be better Um, and I think that's obviously really celebrating your strengths is very very important and then also working on your weaknesses and I again it just comes down to that discipline hard work and if you've done everything you can to be the best player you can be and you've treated everyone in a way to be the best person you can be like Mm. I think that gives you so much confidence totally 
any critique or anyone who tries to bring you down, like you could just smile at them because yeah. you're like, well, I'm doing everything I can. And then it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, it's so funny because it's like thinking back to the childlike mentality, I feel like really just kind of opens up a lot of my thinking sometimes of like how I used to think versus how I think now versus what I can work on in the future, just mindset wise. And today I was coaching a little boy, goalkeeper, and he was telling me that he's the best training goalkeeper. Like he's so good at training, but when it comes to games, like I'm just not good in games as a goalkeeper. He said that I'm like, I feel like the only thing that sometimes holds us back from taking action and working on the things that we quote are our weaknesses is is defining yourself mm-hmm. as a certain thing. So say like you had a couple crosses that weren't great and you're like, oh, I'm bad at crosses. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not bad at crosses. You just need to take a few more and that could be your strength. You know what I mean? So just like not defining yourself under a certain category. Yeah. And definitely. I've definitely been victim to that before. Yeah. And but. I think what makes it hard is that other people will define you mm. and they'll write about you and yeah. they'll tweet about you and oh. they'll say, this player can't do this. She's mm. bad at this. She, you know, and that's again, it comes to down to self belief. Yeah. And I mean, that's something as professional athletes, we set us up for That's part of the job. And totally. I mean, the, the male athletes, it's kind of funny because you talk about like wanting the exposure and the, the women's game to be written about more and to be, and with all of that is going to come a lot more critique. So mm-hmm. it's kind of this weird thing like, like, oh, I wish they were, I wish there was more critique out there because that would at least mean they're right yeah. about us. You know? Yeah. But that's something I think that will also continue when, when we are more exposed and, and people can watch us, there's going to be more criticism about yeah. the women's game and about the certain players doing this and that and yeah. we have to believe in ourselves and yeah. yeah I think I like what you say there about putting that definition on like being good or bad at something maybe you weren't very good at it today mm-hmm. but and I think what's what's great now is you know if you have if you, when teams are taping trainings and mm-hmm. recording it or if you can watch your games back is looking at the things that you did well mm-hmm. and like what can I tweak a tiny bit and, yeah. and, and getting your stats and there's so many ways I think and it can be used in a negative way but there's so many positives I guarantee this little boy is not bad in every single game yeah, you know? yeah. And like or it's one thing that is for some reason he's you know yeah sticking to that he thinks he's not good at but yeah. I think it's uh he's lucky to have you anyways yeah <laughs> totally well for anybody listening I feel just Allie's such a good example of a leader from my from my little bit of exposure to leadership in my life on soccer teams. But the first day you came in, it was your first training, but it was my first training back. We were in pre-preseason, basically. And on the car ride home, I thought Allie had been on this team for like six years because I had not heard your story. I didn't know where you... It was your first day here. And you made everybody feel so important and so supported. Like, if you hit her, like, a semi-decent ball, she's going to cheer for you like (laughs) nobody else. But at the same time, like, you hold people accountable. I think the first day, too, like, you said something to me, and not even in a bad way, but in a very, like, stern, like, this is what needs to happen. And I feel like that's the, the balance that a lot of people don't have they feel like they have to be constantly on each other and constantly down each other's throats and um 
But also, like, that's important to stand up and say those things. But to have that balance of somebody who really, like, truly is there for you and supports you and wants you to do your best, like, that's an awesome leader, you know? So, yeah. Just a little shout out to you. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for everything. I end with two questions all the time. So my first one is... If you could go back to when you started soccer, you can also talk about this for like two seconds, but you said you didn't make your first club mm-hmm. team until mm-hmm. you were 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you started soccer, what is something that you would tell yourself, like two or three things that you'd tell yourself with everything that you've learned to this day? Putting you on the spot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many things I know. That I tell myself. I, I know. think... I know there's a lot. <laughs> Let's see. I would say, what's the most important thing? Hmm. I guess, I think I would actually want to prepare myself for how hard it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously I stuck with it. Yeah. But I think in terms of, the league folding and what that made me feel like and you know having to go overseas and that coming you know out of nowhere um not making the club team for two years mm-hmm. um I think it would have been easier if I knew that the game was going to progress that even if I wasn't going to make the U.S. team that I was going to have this amazing opportunity mm-hmm. with New Zealand you know because all of these things kind of just were thrown in my path and then yeah. and I you know I've dealt with it and and had a, a great career um anyways but mm-hmm. I think everything has been kind of like oh my god like, <laughs> and then no oh, now I'm going to Sweden oh now I'm going to England now I'm going to oh yeah. my god you know like so I think if I kind of knew like that it's gonna be kind of bumpy and very unexpected but like it'll be totally worth it mm-hmm. so just you know keep on going, going. Um, because especially I think the the league folding here um, in 2012 was a was a really big and hard thing and I think mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't in another yeah lifetime or <laughs> it would have been so easy for me to not have gone to Sweden to have yeah. stayed like a lot of players did and wait for the league to come back yeah. and then I might not have you know that was the Olympics where we made the quarterfinals mm. and you know if, maybe if I hadn't been playing maybe I wouldn't have been able to help the team as much mm. if I hadn't gone to Sweden you know I would have never played Champions League I would never have met all these amazing people yeah. learned Swedish met my boyfriend <laughs> you know changed Crazy. my life so I think um, just yeah to be open to to everything totally that's so cool it's so cool to see how everything ends up working out yeah like our plans for our lives are so (laughs) straightforward (laughs) don't plan plan, because it's never it's never gonna go the way you think (laughs) um last question is without soccer i know soccer is a big defining thing in our lives um, you call it. Fo- I need to start calling it football more. I feel so official when I call it football, but, but it's because you play it overseas. Because of I know. Football. I know. <laughs> so if you never had soccer in your life, although it's a very big dividing thing in our lives that have taught us a lot of lessons, what is, what are one or two th- things that you'd want to be remembered for, or what kind of legacy would you want to leave? Mm, the legacy well, question. I- I love spreading positive energy mm-hmm. and I love helping people. And one outlet I've done that is through food. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm very passionate about food. I think yes. I talk about food on any interview, anything I've ever done. What's the at? Love to eat to love. Love to eat to love. So that is my my little Instagram. And I I just feel like when we eat well and we feel good, then we're so much more likely to like spread love mm-hmm. and to make other people feel good. And I think so many awful things could be avoided if people had eaten a good meal and were <laughs> in a better mind space, like to yeah. not do mean things. Yeah. So that spreading love is a big one. Um and yeah, so I think if I could help make the world a healthier place and yeah. especially the United States and mm. children, that's one big thing. Um and then gosh, I think I really like public speaking and yeah. I could see myself you know, being a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. I could see and that. It's something that I hope to to maybe do. Awesome. Okay. Um, but I think I would really like to. Obviously, then my story is so based around football. But yeah. Just share kind of what I've gone through and probably like a little more in detail about what happened with New Zealand. Yeah. And, and you know, being in Chelsea and, and Bayern Munich. But I guess the the goal of that is to really inspire women and empower women and also yeah kind of I think we can always treat each other a little bit better Mm. um and some of the things I went through there but also kind of just overcoming obstacles in general whether it's not specifically with soccer and and that Mm self-belief and um yeah just I, I just want people to feel good. So yeah. I think I could I could tell a good story about how in the face of certain hardships, like what I have done and what I continue to do to to stay positive. Yeah. And I think maybe that could help some people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited to share this. Me too. Yay. Thank you so much again for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Again, if you did, it would really help out so much if you just screenshot this, share it on your Instagram stories, any of your social media outlets. Just tag myself at Brittany1Wilson and Allie Riley. I hope this story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.